Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back into a topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville with Adrian Batter, Mike Van Solen, and Kim Wright. You know, we were talking about prioritizing things as the uh, prime minister. Oil in Alberta doesn't seem to be making his radar. We talked about it last hour and uh, how this is having a deleterious effect on the whole economy of the country. Rachel Notley earlier today sounding the uh, alarm that she's got to cut oil production by 8.7% to increase the price of a barrel above, you know, the cost of uh, making it, uh, I guess, uh, inappropriate to extract. Uh, And it went up, I guess, about $9 today, according to uh, Dan McTague, who was with us last hour. Adrian, let me ask Mm -hmm. you about this, because... uh, First of all, it sounds to me like it's folly on the part of the liberals, the federal liberals. They're missing the boat on the, it's It looks like an Achilles heel waiting to be exploited in the ne- next election. Am I wrong? As, no, you're not wrong. As long as there's a liberals are in power in Ottawa, Alberta will sadly suffer regardless of who the provincial government is. And in this instance, it happens to be an NDP government. So last week, Jason Kenney, who's the leader of the United Conservative Party, who will likely be the next premier of Alberta come May, um, did write an op-ed in the Calgary Sun talking about the fact that as much as he's a free market conservative, but this has come to a point where it actually needs some semblance of government intervention. And he had suggested at the time that the production needed to be cut in order, you know, the supply was there, but the demand hadn't been there. Right. Um, and so Rachel Notley, to her credit, even though she came to Ottawa last week and did not ask for a meeting with the Prime Minister, and shockingly, the Prime Minister's office did not proffer uh, a meeting either with Alberta, um, you know, she talked about buying rail cars and, and, and that they're going to start transporting that way because the pipelines aren't getting developed. Yes, this is going to be very much be an election issue. Some of the oil companies are very much on board with the premier of what, of, what Ms. Notley has decided. Some oil companies will continue to thumb their nose at it and still sell at bottom barrel rates, so to speak, and mm-hmm. make and still continue to make a profit. But uh, this is hopefully a short-term solution to what is a long-term problem, and that is really to um, develop our uh, natural resources in a safe and ethical way, which Alberta oil is. And um, for those in Quebec that have stopped and blockaded pipelines, when Alberta can no longer send you transfer payments, how the heck are you going to start paying for your social services? Think about that. Well, I'm not sure that they have thought it through, but I'm surprised that the government, because you would think that they would understand the broader implications for all Canadians, and they don't seem to be proactive on this. This pipeline, I don't know if it'll be built in our lifetime, uh, and to the point you made, Adrian, Rachel Notley went out and had to buy or is about to a thousand rail cars to move the stuff because she's not confident the pipeline will be brought on stream anytime soon. Why are the liberals playing this game? This is a dangerous uh, matter and it implicate, you know, it impacts all Canadians. Uh, Kim Wright, maybe you've got the insight here to tell us why would the liberals be lacking in response? Look, they've done the calculus for generations about how to get themselves elected to a government without winning in Alberta. And frankly, that's uh, the, it goes back to the National Energy Plan and, and Trudeau the senior. Uh, Prime Minister Trudeau was in Calgary last week or the week before, uh, did not exactly get a warm and fuzzy uh, 
love in uh, that he was hoping for from the business community, and rightfully so, given what's happening out there. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know why there wasn't a, a meeting offered up or, or, or asked for, but frankly, I wouldn't want to be uh, Rachel Notley standing on stage with him right now without him figuring out how to build me my pipeline. And But to, to going back to what's happening for 2019, they've done the math. They've uh, figured out how to, how, what their electoral calculus looks like without winning in Alberta. Well, except that uh, as more Canadians caught into yeah. the idea that this impacts all of us, including a lot of manufacturing here in Ontario that supplies the oil industry, uh, and these transfer payments of which Adrian spoke, uh, they're only made possible by Alberta having a flourishing and uh, robust economy based on petroleum. Mike Van Solen, uh, why are they so short-sighted? I don't know. You know, I, I really wonder what their faith is in market capitalism, period. Uh, they just don't, don't seem to be committed to helping this economy flourish. They are really good at a lot of other things, virtue signaling, uh, rolling out social programs, uh, spending more, more money than we have. Um, but, you know, they haven't been really great at just providing the supports needed in key sectors of the economy across the country. Um, you know, in, in the last election, Justin Trudeau made a promise to Canadians. And he said, I, I'm going to be able to build pipelines because I'm going to be able to get social license. I'm going to work with the First Nations communities. Uh, and as well, I'm going to be able to get uh, bring in a climate plan. So that's going to make sure, with those two things in hand, I will be able to build major resource uh, projects like pipelines. But he struck out on, on all those counts, really. Uh, all, the, all the provinces are, are challenging the carbon plan that they have. The First Nations communities have not been happy with the engagement that they've seen from the federal government. Uh, and there's no pipeline. So, uh, look, I think as, as Canadians outside of Alberta start understanding the importance of that sector to the economy, that really we have a bit of a petrodollar. And once we start feeling that as well, um, I think more Canadians will cotton on to the fact that this government has not been able to deliver on the economic side of the agenda. And if I could make a nonpartisan note as well, I think Rachel Notley, I do believe Jason Kenney will ultimately win, but I thought she's been really eloquent the last couple of weeks in, in talking about the, the situation they find themselves in. Her line that we ride horses, not unicorns was great. So she's she's been really great. I think Jason will be great as well. Um, but uh, the federal government is completely missing in action on this file. I just want to add one more point because everything that Kim and Mike have said is is spot on, but there is one very underreported part to this. One of the considerations that the Liberals have always said is, we're going to go get broad uh, support for this. And then we had the Supreme Court ruling. There are 63 Aboriginal communities in Western Canada that are very much on board with the pipelines. Mm -hmm. All the development of the pipelines. They've been negotiated. They have been consulted. They have been talked to. They have been um, part of the process. That doesn't get discussed. That doesn't get um, brought to the forefront. It's so f easy for those that would rather complain and say and blockade it. And then we have all this American advocacy money coming in to block our, our pipeline development. Um, that's far more sexy and interesting to cover than the reality that how beneficial many of these pipelines and any of the development would be for, for our Aboriginal communities. And well, the First Nations communities that are uh, directly in the line of the pipeline are in support of. Mm -hmm. It's ones that are, you know, further removed uh, who seem to be the spanner yeah. in the works. It was but, the same story, story with no, uh, Northern Gateway as well. And like, energy. Yeah. And, yeah. It, and it goes back to the, the calculus of he, he feel the, the Prime Minister and his team feel they can win more seats in British Columbia than they can in other places. Right, by keeping it in the ground and uh, sort of which, reducing the carbon footprint. Which, but, which isn't governing, that's just playing politics. Sure, 
But, you know, it's also uh, the legalization of pot, I guess, is where he's prioritized things. Now, it's interesting because communities here in Ontario have until January 22nd to decide whether or not they want bricks and mortar dispensaries placed in their communities. And uh, if you say no at first, you can always come on later. But uh, if you come on and then cancel, uh, you'll never get uh, the opportunity to do that. A lot of places like uh, King Township, uh, Oakville, Richmond Hill, Markham have decided against this. Does that make sense to you? I mean, uh, or the argument is people will just go across the street, like on Steeles Avenue in Toronto, and there will be all kinds of shops set up there. Uh, Adrian Batra, do you see anybody of these mayors like Scarpitti up there in Markham saying, no, uh, we don't want this, or Richmond Hill, we don't want this? Are they just shoveling sand against the tide? A little bit of both. I, I think there will be some that will say no. Um, it's, it's not a reasonable answer because as you said, they literally could just walk across the street and get whatever it is that they want. Um, this whole notion of any municipality being able to opt out is not born out of the issue of legalization of marijuana. It goes back further to when the liberals were putting in the green and like when they implemented the green energy act and forced certain things upon municipalities when Doug Ford was running and when the Conservatives were running in general, they had suggested for broad issues of public policy that re- that will reflect or affect any municipality, you are going to have the opportunity to opt out. So this is more about that. But it's not a reason. It's not unreasonable to proffer the choice. I just don't think it's reasonable for any municipality to say we're not going to do it. And in disclosure, I do a lot of work for cannabis companies, but I will tell you in talking to municipalities across the province, one, if you opt out... Uh, you get no access to the uh, the legalization implementation fund, which is $40 million right off the top of money spread around the province. Uh, but more importantly, what we've seen in the discussions around with uh, in other jurisdictions where we have uh, retail allowed, people are actually doing this as a public education. You, you're seeing where seniors are coming into cannabis stores and wanting to understand CBDs and how does that work and what could it be done. Uh, you're seeing... How do you move from an opioid to to other products? What can this do for anxiety? What can this do? It's really a public education component. And frankly, for any community that thinks that because they're not allowing legal uh, operators to come in, that all of a sudden the dispensary problems will magically and mystically go away. Well, they're delusional, frankly, because they're still going to they'll be there. But when you have legal operators running safe programs uh, that have the security measures that you expect and the retail programs that you expect, that's when you can actually shine a light on this and making sure that you've got safe product in a in a proper way. All right. Well, almost started to sound like the safe injection site argument. Uh, we've got to let you go on that note. We're out of time, but I appreciate everyone showing up and uh, bringing their A-game on this Monday afternoon. Topics worthy of discussion for Pizzaville. Adrian Batra, Mike Van Sol, and Kim Wright. We'll do it again next Monday. Thank you Thanks, so much. John. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.